Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Welcome, everyone, to the latest installment of Greg Gabriel Talks Football. Greg, how are you, my friend? <laughs> the latest installment of Let's Talk Funerals. <laughs> that is exactly right. That is exactly right. We don't normally do this, but I want to start the show immediately with a soundbite that Matt Nagy had at the end of his press conference and I, I, I'm not sure why I'm sharing this, other than I, I felt a little sorry for the guy. But he did, he talked a this little. This was bit. last night. This was last night's press okay. conference, the very last soundbite before he got out of there. Listen to okay. this. You see in those first two quarters what we can be, regardless of who's not on that field, you know, for us with the injuries and stuff. And you get to see who you can be. And so I was I was happy for the players that they got a chance to see who they can be. And, and then for us to, to end the game and with the loss and to not finish it, that's where I know it stings in that locker room. So there's no consolation. Um, we're 4-9. We're um, so that, that's the tough part. Greg, I, I don't know. I, I feel sorry for this guy. It's like we hate to see anybody lose their job. But at the same time, he's proven that he is not the right man for this job. But those words there, it was almost like he was reflecting. That first half was what I envisioned for this team. But the second half is the sad reality of it. Yeah. No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Aldo. And, and then, you know, his – exuberance or excitement and of coming out of the locker room and making the statement to the sideline reporter, I thought was, was in fact, I, you know, I got a, a, a tweet from Mike North and, you know, about that. And, and I just thought it was dumb. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, no, we, it's like you won the game. No, they didn't. They played a good first half and they had the lead on the road. But you still got to finish the game, mm -hmm. and Green Bay kicked their ass in the second half. No, I mean it, 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 Green Bay made the adjustments; the Bears didn't. And the, you know, Aaron Rodgers is so good. I don't like the guy personally, but the guy is the best, and he he will find a weakness and he'll go after that weakness. And right now, the weakness is the secondary. You know, he went after. Uh, Crawford early because Crawford, I mean, Crawford's only playing because of injuries. Mm -hmm. Crawford shouldn't even be on a 53 man roster. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. And, and um, 
then he gets hurt and then you got, you know, people playing out of position and it, it just makes for a rough night. You know, I chastised uh, fans <laughs> like maybe not like Mule. Mule will, will kick my butt. He's, he's a real big man. But yesterday on Twitter in the third quarter, fans were saying, there goes Nagy again, doesn't do any halftime adjustments and so forth. And so I, in essence, says, well, how do you know? You did. He didn't do halftime adjustments. Nobody was in the locker room. He may have done halftime adjustments, and they sucked. You know, can you help explain this whole thing? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he didn't do any halftime no, adjustments. No, well, no, no, they always do something based on on what your opponent's doing. That's offensively and defensively. But he's not going to make the defensive adjustments. Mm-hmm. That's what Sean decides for, mm-hmm. and and. And actually, Bill Lazor is the offensive coordinator. So the two of them, and I'll hate this word, collaborate on, on what they may change on offense. But let's face it, they were rolling on offense. Yes. What is it? Why, why did they? Why would they want to change anything? Mm-hmm. But Green Bay did a good job taking it away. And on top of that, you know, I had some penalties. You had a turnover. Yeah, the pick six that that. Uh, um, was was thrown by Justin Fields was just a horrible throw. You know, mm-hmm. that was a rookie throw. Yep. You know, I, I, the guy was just sitting on that route waiting. And and he kind of stared, you know, uh Fields kind of stared him down mm-hmm. and let it go. And that was that was easy touchdown. Yep. And, you know, after at the half, it, things went downhill quickly. It, the interception, like you said, the, the Bears uh, were um, – it, it just seemed like before they could make any adjustments at all, they, they were down quickly, the Packers. Well, I mean, the Packers got the ball to start the second half and just went right down the field. Right. And I've seen it. They didn't even hit a third down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Ali Walter Jordan says that the, the complaint is, is that the Bears kept going to empty sets. And again, Nagy and his offense stopped, were, were the ones that stopped the run themselves. What do you think? Well, about is that? that well, let's be fair. Is that Nagy or is that Bill Lazor? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know the answer to some of that stuff. So but it, the blame is has got to go really to both people. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, they were doing like the. Um, the one touchdown play, the long touchdown play, that was a Kansas City play. That was a Tyreek Hill play out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. You know, that, we've seen that play plenty of times by Kansas City. And had Tariq Cohen been healthy this year, you would have seen Tariq Cohen being used on plays like that. Mm-hmm. But exactly. now he he's not here, so you're going to go to the next best thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Packers scored 17 points in that third quarter. Things got away quickly from them. Uh, somebody's asked me, uh, asked us, how many times did they run the ball in the second half? I think Montgomery only had one run in the second half, and Nagy was asked about that after the game and said, you know, things just got away quickly. And, uh, you know, because of the score. The other thing that I saw is that the, these these Packers, with Algeria, uh, Alexander, uh, and some other people on their defense, they were susceptible to the pass. 
Um, so I, I kind I don't have that big of a problem with the play calling. I wanted to see Justin Fields under that duress, under that challenge of passing the team back into the lead. I think at this point, I mean, I hate to lose and I hate to sacrifice a game, especially one that you're leading at halftime, but I wanted this young man to be tested. And in some cases he did well, in some cases he didn't. Like no, you said, I, he I, you know, he had the, the strip sack. And I'll tell you, that's not the first strip sack. Mm-hmm. It's about the eighth one. <laughs> yeah, and, that's right. and, you know, one guy pointed out to me, and, and it, it's a fact, but I don't know if it's a problem. He doesn't have the biggest hands. He's got like, the only thing, and, and I'm prefacing this, is because there was no combine. And so when you do a, the, the hand measurement, at a pro day, it's not always exact. Mm-hmm. Now I'll, I'll show you on here how they do it. at the combine. They put your, they measure your head basically from here to here. Okay. okay. So it, it, it's the width of your, of your hand, but it's who's doing the measuring that can make a difference on what the measurement is. Mm-hmm. And at the combine, you're putting your hand flat down on a, on a, like a table. And they can measure it and they make you stretch out your fingers. So you get the full width of the hand where I've seen guys do it at pro days and at all-star games where the guy puts his hand up like this instead of like this. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what the difference is between that? That could be a half an inch to three quarters of an inch. Mm -hmm. So how exact is it? You know, you don't know that, but his hands measured nine and an eighth. Mm-hmm. They look longer than that. He doesn't have big, thick fingers. He's got he's got thin hands like I got. Mm-hmm. But it, it, ball security has been a problem with him. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that's going to have to be worked on, you know, during the offseason. That and, you know, they mentioned it um, yesterday during the broadcast, you know, that, that getting the ball out of his hand and part of that is that, you know, that motion that he has that we've shown a thousand times where he drops the ball and then comes through. Mm-hmm. And that can mean the difference that that getting rid of that hitch at the top of his release, that can mean the difference between a completion or an incompletion or even an interception. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a split second, but that split second in pro football is a lot. I got to ask you, uh, because everyone is talking about it, and Nagy faced some questions afterwards. It's fourth down and one, uh, maybe even less than a full yard, with 13 minutes and 30 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter. And the uh, the Bears have a chance. They're trailing at that point 38-27. to 27. They have a chance at midfield here to continue to possess the ball and put some stress on the Packers. But instead, Matt Nagy elects – to punt the ball away. Um, what is your opinion on that call? You know, it's, you got a losing season. The only where you, the only place you can go is up. Mm-hmm. And I, I get what he's thinking. We're still only down a score, you know, so, uh, you know, in a two point conversion. So let's, um, Let's punt and let the defense hold, but the defense hadn't been playing good. Personally, I think I would have gone for it. 
And the fact that the defensive backfield was depleted, yes. I mean, even if it wasn't depleted, you, it's still a questionable defensive backfield. To me, that was a moment there that you have to be aggressive. You have to be bold. And with Aaron Rodgers, you know that he's probably going to just have a time-consuming drive, which he did, yep. and, and get some points. So it was very disappointing for Matt Nagy not to stick his chest out and say, you know, I'm going to go down fighting and, and play that. He he likes to talk about being aggressive, but there have been some signs. No, no, no. That was, that was the time that he wasn't. Let's go back to the, you know, the, the post-halftime comment. Yes. You heard it. I heard it. Everybody watching the game on TV heard it. Mm -hmm. Chances are, let's say, hear it after the fact, nobody from management heard it. Because you're, you're up in the box and, it, you know, you got TVs on up there. Mm -hmm. but you don't have volume on. Very seldom have volume on. Right. And, and so, you know, because you're watching the game and you're not listening to the commentary. And there's sometimes there's a delay on some of that stuff anyway. You know, unless it's a direct feed. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to to know what management's reaction to that comment would be. Yeah. Well, and Nagy was asked about it after the game. This was uh, his response. When when you coach and you play and you play that first half the way we did, that's what it's all about. That's why we do what we do. And let's face it, it's been there's been difficult times this year, you know, for everybody, for the players, for the coaches, and because we, you know, you, you know what we can be. And when these guys play like that, uh, that's why we do it. That's why we do it. And our message at halftime was, you know, that's great, but we got to do it for quarters three and four. We got to finish. And um, that's probably the biggest thing that these guys right now, uh, players and coaches, just know that, uh, you know, not finishing that game against that team is, is where you know we got to be better. It's it's what what he looks defeated. Really does. Look if he if he had a white flag, he'd go like this. <laughs> it it almost seems like management needs to release him just for his own sake and his family's sake. I mean, this is not going to get any better. Um, it's it, you know Mike Ditka is famous for saying, "I thought we'll uh, win a, a game the rest of the season," and they didn't. And um, Nagy's body language and tone almost is saying the same thing. You know, I, it, it's not good. Um, you know, and just going back to, to his reply right there, you know, you first of all, you just should have just said, to, you know, I'm talking, you know, referring to the halftime reporter, just say, hey, we played well. Just what he said right there. We played well, but we got to we gotta play well the, the, the next two quarters. The game's, mm -hmm. we're only at halftime. And that's a good football team over there. Yep. I, I, I'll i say it one more time. I've said it a thousand times. These guys, uh, when I say these guys, people like Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and even uh, uh, McCaskey and Ted Phillips, they need some coaching in the media sense. Here's what you should say. Here's what you shouldn't say. Because, you know, we as devoted diehard Bears fans, we take everything and analyze it and flip it upside down and analyze that and so forth. And so when you say a stupid uh, – comment it, it's like obtuse it's annoyingly you know, well, insensitive you know, you know what it is I, I we've kind of touched on it all morning so far and it's, it's he's been beat up so much i don't even know what if he knows what the hell to say 
yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. It's, it's yeah, it, it, say as little as possible then. <laughs> right, right. All right. There's a few things that uh, we, uh, you sent me a text saying, hey, I want to touch on a few of these things. Uh, let me take them out of order because a lot well, of Well, one we already touched on. Uh, right. Okay. So let's talk about Tevin Jenkins. Uh, evaluate his play for us. Uh, it seems like the reviews are not very good right now. No, actually, I, I, I'd give him a C to a C plus. Now let, okay. let, and, and, and for a while it was B. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's look at the big picture. The big picture is he's probably had two padded practices since he's been back. Mm-hmm. Once the season starts, you only get 12 padded practices in 18 weeks. Wow. Okay. I mean, it, 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 it's because of the seat now, because they extended the season, maybe you get 13, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't get a lot of padded practices. So it's tough to work a guy in, and, and he's not getting the reps in practice. He's getting scout team reps, but he isn't getting reps with the number ones. So was he in fact ready to play? Mm-hmm. Okay. In all honesty, when when the guy when Jason Peters was down, I'm thinking, oh God, this is going to be ugly. And he played pretty good, you know, cut right out of the box. And did he make mistakes? Yes, but you got to expect that. Yep. Especially given the circumstances. Now, if he had a training camp and all that, then it's a different story. And you could put up an entirely different argument, but he hasn't. This guy's been on the field for three weeks. And that's it. And again, very, very, and one was the short, you know, the Detroit week, which was a short week. So you had one one day of practice and that wasn't practice. That was a walkthrough, mm-hmm. you know? So that was a, a week of counted practices for him as far as, as the clock goes with having to activate him. And it really wasn't a, a, a practice week. Mm-hmm. You know, no, go ahead, please. No, so you know, there's some things that he did good, but and he made mistakes. He had a penalty. I'm gonna tell you the holding penalty. I'm I'm not yeah. so sure on that one. And I'll tell you why, because you're taught, and I get what, what Collinsworth said. He was grabbing outside the perimeter of the line of scrimmage, and he but he was holding in tight. Okay, and generally speaking with an offensive lineman, if he keeps his hands inside, they're never going to call it mm-hmm. because they all hold every single play. They're taught, they come up, they punch like this. That You know, you can't see that very well. So let me back up. They punch like this and they're taught to grab the guy's jerks right in here right. And, or, or get his thumb on, get their thumb underneath the shoulder pads. Okay. Right, like that. Okay. And then and then they got secure. But it's when you get out here, now it becomes holding. Or you wrap your arm around his back or something like that. So in the case of that one play, he had the guy like that, but was he holding? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you know, I, I think that was kind of nitpicky. There was one other call. Oh, the call on um, I think it was on Christian, wasn't it? On on the uh uh Marquis question. Yeah, on, on the uh, when they recovered the the uh, muff, Ma- yeah, muff yes. punt. Oh, it was Kendall Vildor that, or Kendall Vildor? That was bullshit. <laughs> now, if, if, if you the, the rule states, you know, if a guy purposely goes out of bounds, 
mm-hmm. and then runs three, four, five yards out of bounds and then comes back in, that's that's a penalty. Right. He got pushed out of bounds. Exactly. And, and you and you watch the replay, two mm-hmm. steps are out of bounds. And mm-hmm. it's with his left foot. His right foot's in bounds. It's not mm-hmm. like when, when you see the penalty call, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. when you see the penalty call in most cases, they're running a good yard, yard and a half out of bounds. Right. And both feet are out of bounds. That right. was real, real picky. And that that's a turnaround play. Right. I mean, they get the ball. They get the ball in the fifteen yard line. Exactly, down by eleven points, I believe. Yeah, yeah, huge. And Greg, I I remember uh, as soon as that happened, I remember saying to myself, "Wait a minute, there was a play earlier in the game by the Packers when they were punting, when their guy was out of bounds for like thirty yards. I got it right here. I I videotaped it. See at the top of the screen, the Packer out of bounds. He's running down." That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Here it is one more time. At the top of the screen, he's running out of bounds. He wasn't forced out of bounds. He started to go to the well, out go, of bounds. Go, go back to the beginning of that. Can you, okay, let me see something. Okay, he does get pushed out of bounds. Okay. But his job, and, and, and the same thing, Vildor got pushed out of bounds. Mm-hmm. His job is to come right back in bounds immediately. And look at what he does. He's I know. Out of bounds at the that's a penalty. At that the- is a perfect that's, – that's why they have the penalty written the way they do, and that is a perfect example of, of what you're trying to say. Now, if you had Vildor say, you watch. His right foot, I don't think, ever goes out of bounds. His left foot's out of bounds of two steps. Yeah. I thought I had it here, but I can't find it. If I do, I'll, I'll I'll put it up. But you're absolutely right. It was so frustrating. And again, they didn't lose because of that. But no, but it, all- it 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 you get a touchdown on that within two plays or something. All of a sudden, you, your defense has got some momentum. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and- so it 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 can. Hey, you're playing Aaron Rodgers. I get it, mm-hmm. and he's going to figure out a way. You know, he probably comes up to the line of scrimmage and said, "I own you, you mother." And, uh, <laughs> you know, but he, you know, it, it, it just, it's frustrating because they don't get calls like that. The only call they got all night was the pass interference, offensive pass interference call that, you know, that I that thought was, that was kind of a shitty call. I, I agree. I totally agree with that. Um, one of the other things that uh, you wanted to uh, touch on was these uh, bullshit rumors, as you put it in the text to me. Uh, so tell me about uh, the rule. Tell me what the rumor is that's floating out there. And, and well, what there's a, first of all, there's there's one that that our good friend Jason Lock on Fora, <laughs> who we all know is got. More BS than anybody on. on he's a, he's a fiction writer. He he writes fiction. <laughs> oh, and I know where he, anything that comes from the Bears, I know exactly where it comes from. Ooh, interesting. I'm not going to mention names, but I know where it comes from, and it's all made up. Wow. And that guy goes with it all the time. I mean, I mean, and Lock and Four goes with it all. Right, the time. right. Okay, so and 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 he's been burned enough times. Remember, he had the one back. I think it was. Um, Fox's last year mm-hmm. and Lock of Forest said they've already hired a consultant to review the front office. Mm-hmm. Yes. There was no truth to that. And this is basically the same thing. He's just repeating something he said 
four years ago, but now he's attached a name to it. Right. Trace Armstrong. Now, and, and Dan Pompey has floated Trace's name and, you know, the former Chicago Bear. But let's be honest, you know who Trace Armstrong is the agent for? I learned this last night. <laughs> Matt Nagy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, I heard, and I don't know if it's true, that he may be Ryan Pace's agent, too. But I don't, okay, I, I, I'm not 100% positive about that. The other thing, they, the other rumor going around is that, um, and there, and Ryan Day is going to be the coach. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who's the, the agent for Ryan Day? Are you kidding me? Also, Trace Armstrong. Wow. Okay, so now, and Ryan Day and Matt Nagy are, are bros. Mm-hmm. They're, they're good friends. Mm-hmm. So do you think that, any agent in his right mind is going to undermine one of his clients. No way. It ain't going to happen. Not going to happen. Okay. So, you know, and, and, and one guy sends me a, a, a DM. He goes, well, George McCaskey's meeting with Ryan Day today. I said, you know, <laughs> go to fantasy land, will you? You'll have more fun. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, you know, and Don pa- Dan. Now let's, now let's, yeah, but now let's. And 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 Dan wrote a, had a tweet today. No, they have not talked to Trace Armstrong, but he goes, you know, hinted again. Maybe they should. Now I don't know Trace Armstrong from a hole in the wall as far as you know, other than he was a you know a, a good ex player, and he's a hell of a coach's agent. Yeah, a great yeah. coach's agent. But what's his acumen as far as leading a front office? Yeah, we and don't being know. An, and being an, an evaluator and overseeing. Who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ideally for that role, you'd want somebody who has football experience. <laughs> That's what we're crying for. We want somebody to come into uh, that ex- uh, president of football operations who has had experience leading football teams, and so that would seem to be like not the right choice. Uh, and I'm surprised Dan Pompey didn't check to see who Trace Armstrong. I, I gotta give Dan. I gotta give Dan a call about. I mean, we've texted back and forth about it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I just, you know, I'd rather have Tony Dungy than than that's another name he mentioned. Right. And, Excuse me. Than, than Trace. But I, I could be totally wrong. I mean, Trace might be the most brilliant guy in the world for all I know. Mm-hmm. You know, but still, that's like it's like bringing in Jimmy Sexton. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And I know Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Jimmy couldn't run a football team if his life depended on it. <laughs> hell of a hell of an agent. Yeah, but you know he 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 doesn't have a clue about running a football team. Right. It is uh, frustrating that you know there's all these uh, accounts out there. There's all all this BS bullshit, as you put yeah. it, uh, out there, and people don't know the rules, and, and they're suggesting. Well, yeah. So let's let's talk about the rules because you just brought it up. First of all, okay, if George did, in fact, want to meet with Ryan Day today, he could do that because Ryan Day doesn't work in the National Football League. George can't talk to anybody within the National Football League or Ted or anybody else connected with the Bears until the final two weeks of the season. 
You can't do that unless you've already fired your coach first. There has to be a job opening. You have to put a permission slip in, and the team uh, uh, and the team that that coach works for has to grant permission. He doesn't. The team does not necessarily. Where if you know ordinarily, if you want to uh, uh, interview a guy for a head coaching job, you have to let him interview. But in this situation because it could be a, a team that's fighting for a playoff spot and there's two weeks left in the season, they could say, no, yeah, you could talk to them when the season's over, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in other words, you got to wait and, and do it through the rules like they've always been. But so getting back to Ryan day, yeah, you can do that, but could he hire Ryan day tomorrow? No. Why not? Well, because you got a thing called the Rooney rule. So, yeah, you got to Okay, you got to interview. And now it used to be one minority. Now it's two. Right. Okay, for, for coaches and GM positions. And now, GM. Not yeah, and, and I'm not 100% sure of this, this part. I think the new rule is two minority candidates outside the building. Okay. Okay, so you don't get the, okay, we're going to, interview you and we're going to interview another guy and that covers our you know our my who work inside the building currently for the bears and that takes care of our our minority interest as far as covering that and that that just doesn't sit because there have been teams that done that just to get it out of the way so now it's like no you got to bring in two people right and uh uh, you and you've got to bring in bring in an external minority can, candidate for coordinator jobs too. That's part right. of that new rule, right? And now and, and now here's the other thing. And this one, I had to double check, but if, if if the tag, if this president of football operations, I'm going to assume right off the bat that falls under the Rooney rule. Mm-hmm. And so again, you can't. Yeah, if you want Trace Armstrong, sure, go ahead and hire him. But you better interview the right people first. Mm-hmm. Okay, so none of this stuff is going to happen today, tomorrow, or next week. It's not going to happen until the season's over. Mm-hmm. And you can't begin to process, even though you can begin the process starting this year with two weeks left to go in the season, you still can't hire a guy during the season unless he's a, you know, you could hire a Ryan Day if you, if you, in fact, wanted to, you know, get all your your uh, interviews out of the way in, in that first two weeks, then you could hire an outside candidate who's not affiliated with a National Football League team. But mm-hmm. you can't hire a, a, a current coach who's working for a team until he's done playing. You can interview him, but you can't hire him yet. Uh, Brad Biggs wrote that if they are going to hire a, uh, a president of football operations, then that George McCaskey probably has been interviewing people already, which is something that I've been uh, 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 proposing the last couple of weeks. Well, I and, and Brad Biggs uh, stole my thunder saying, yeah, if, if he's going to do that, he probably should have been doing it already. Do you think that? Have you heard any buzz? I, I know that Lance Briggs uh, tweeted out and he tagged Olin and, and some other people saying uh, something about a new general manager. I hear the Bears are looking for a new general manager. And so are you hearing any of these rumors that front office? No, but I'll say this. If George is talking to somebody, somebody that's not currently working 
in the National Football League, mm -hmm. unless it's somebody working at the league office. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a different story. But it's not somebody affiliated with a club because mm -hmm. he can't talk to anybody affiliated with a club during the season. Oh, there is uh, the name of uh, – uh, oh, my goodness. Now I forgot his name. Uh, he was with the Atlanta Falcons, and he left because – his wife had cancer and now he's no, that was Rick Smith. And he was with the Houston Texans. Okay. My, my bad. Yes. Rick yes, Smith. Yeah. What, what Rick you know Smith. He can talk to. Okay. And so what do you know about him and uh, would he be a qualified candidate? Um, I think Rick would be a qualified candidate for, for a GM position. Now, could that GM position now we've, we've had this discussion several times. Mm -hmm. I personally think, that all you're doing by hiring a president of football operations is giving a GM a fancier title. And then the guy who has the GM title is nothing but a glorified director of player personnel mm -hmm. because one person's the boss. Okay. And, and has final say, so I don't want to hear this. And I said that same thing to Dan, I, you know, you got to know how the hierarchy works within the league. And you got to know what the designations are. And the guy who has that designation of control of the 53-man roster, he is the boss. Now, if you want to hire a guy and he doesn't have that, then he's a figurehead. Do you know how old Rick Smith is? He's a, he's a fairly young man, isn't he? Uh, I'm going to say 50-ish. Okay. Not real old. I mean, his wife had breast can died of breast cancer, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, and, you know, when he took off, uh, I've, I've met Rick. I've had conversations with him, but I can't say I know him. Okay. Okay. Good person. Um, this is him, by the way. <clears throat> yes. Uh, Good dresser, and please. he's been, and he's been a coach and he's yeah. been a, you know, a, a front office executive. Mm -hmm. Um, is he qualified to be a general manager? Absolutely. In mm. that uh, Brad Biggs uh, 10 Thoughts uh, column that he writes every Monday, which for all Bears fans I think is must-reading, he states that in the years that George McCaskey – excuse me, yeah, George McCaskey has been the chairman of the board, there aren't, uh, <laughs> there aren't many more teams that have had fewer wins than the Bears. The Bears are at 26. They've won 73 games. The Lions, 72. Washington 69, the Raiders 69, the Jets 62, the Browns 56, and the Jaguars 48. Fewest wins since 2011, the Bears at 26, and only one playoff appearance during George McCaskey's tenure. This has got to be a topic of discussion with the board of directors, you think? No. Really? They're the owners. What's the discussion? Well, they, they, there was the replacement of Michael McCaskey. Yeah, uh, but, but Michael basically wanted to step down. Okay. Okay, so, you know, it, and it, Michael was, you know, chairman of the board the whole time I worked there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You never, you didn't see him very much. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that report Hub Arkish had that, you know, that McCaskey demanded that that Fields be the start of the rest of the season? And Hub has 
uh, double down on that, saying that we don't know for sure who is how much they're intruding or if they're intruding at all, uh, which is something that they've assured us, they being the McCaskey and Phillips, uh, they've assured us that they have nothing at all to do with football operations. Are they lying to us? Is, is Hub correct? I don't think Hub's correct. And I love Hub. I, I and, and I know, and I'm not going to say it here, that's not for me to say. I, I know how he got that idea because we've talked about it. I've also talked about here on, on this show that an agent told me that a coach told him that it came from above. Hmm. Is above ownership? Is above Ted Phillips? Is above Ryan Pace? Who the hell knows? Could it be God? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's somebody higher up than the head coach. Yeah. Says yeah. you got to play. Okay, now, is it a fact that it actually happened? Mm-hmm. That's what an agent told me who is friendly with a coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know, you know. In this world, there's a lot of fiction in the mm. football world. So, you, you, you know, you just don't know. And I, and I don't, you know, and I love Hub. He's a good friend. I just don't agree with that one. Yeah. And I like agree. I said, we, we, have, we have talked about it. And I don't know who his source was, but I told him what I just said to you. Mm-hmm. Vibing with the dog says, I'm seeing so many people spit on fields. The man is playing with three crack, crack ribs, so much so that it, it it hurts him to throw. That's why his zip wasn't there. So let the man get healthy. My goodness. What, evaluate the, what you saw out of Justin Fields yesterday. Um, you know, the, the, the ribs, they got to bother him. Is it he obviously can play with it or he wouldn't be playing? Mm-hmm. Okay. And if he couldn't take a hit, he wouldn't run with the ball. So, you know, he is a rookie going through a rookie season with a bunch of average players around him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some of these people are giving up the ship. He has flashes of brilliance. You just, don't see it down after down after down. Mm-hmm. But everything he's learning this year is going to pay off in future years. Okay. Get the right people around him. Get the right guy coaching him and go from there. Um, there, ha- there were, you know, troubling mistakes, but you've made it clear on this show, rookies go through this. You, sh- you shouldn't make final determinations about what this guy is going to be like as an NFL quarterback based on his rookie performance. Uh, and, and so thank you for that, because I think a lot of us, we f- football fans, um, really Did anybody to- watch Trevor Lawrence and, and Wilson who went one, two this year. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. I did. Didn't, did I read correctly that Trevor Lawrence threw four picks yesterday? <laughs> I think that is correct. Yes. 
And, and you know, Wilson was just horrendous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the North Dakota State kid who gets drafted next, he's played, what, about five downs all year? Mm -hmm. You know, they're rookies. Patrick Mahomes played one game. Right. In his as a rookie. Season. Right. The last game. Mm-hmm. He might have got some mop-up duty. Uh, I think he did. He got some mop-up duty in a couple games in the last third of the season. Mm-hmm. But um, his only extended play was the last game of the year. And he was very average. He was like 11 out of 20 or something like that for less than 200 yards. Back to the game, uh, Greg. Uh, you had a, a note in your text to me about the lack of second half D. Did you uh, did you uh, cover that as much as you wanted to? Well, I, I I think a lot of it had to do really with 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 the injuries and the lack of personnel. Yeah, you know, and and um, Akeem Hicks was going to play, and then all of a sudden on Saturday he can't play. Yeah, what, weird. What 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 was that about? You know, mm-hmm. I don't, we don't know. Did something happen Saturday in a walkthrough that he couldn't, you know, that he couldn't play? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. Um, the secondary is just, you know, beat to pieces. You know, and you were playing with a backup in the slot. Now you're playing with a third or fourth guy. Mm-hmm. In the slot, and you know a good quarter, good quarterback is going to go after that guy. It's just going to happen. Yep, exactly. And, you know, it. it, it um, they got some pass rush early. Packers made adjustments. They kept some people in, and and took away the pass rush. They still ended up with three sacks on the on the uh, game, but they needed better than that. And and. They almost had two more, and you got to give Aaron Rodgers credit. He he worked his way out of those other two. Mm-hmm. Sure has. And the one was a long game. Mm-hmm. I tweeted out uh, a few days ago uh, because people keep saying Matt Nagy is going to ruin Justin Fields, ruin Justin Fields, and so forth. And maybe that's correct, but in terms of teaching Justin Fields to be a pro quarterback, that's not Matt Nagy's job. That's John Filippo, the quarterback coach. Am I right there? Is there a chance that uh, Justin Fields could be ruined because the scheme that uh, they're running is not uh, perhaps the best? Or or is, is there anything that Matt Nagy is doing now that is potentially ruining Justin Fields? What, what you worry about is a player losing confidence and not getting that confidence back. Okay. Okay. I have not seen that from Justin Fields to date. You know, he, I, I think we, we, we see, and I, I mentioned it just a little while ago, we see certain plays where he looks brilliant and does some really terrific things. Uh, but like anybody else, he needs time. And, and part of it is walking up to the line of scrimmage and recognizing and believing in what you see and saying, well, here's what I'm seeing. But the last time I saw something like this, they really did this, you know. So now you got, you know, you got to be really thinking ahead of what, you know. D- does he trust his eyes? Do you follow what I'm saying? Sure. And and so and that comes with experience. 
And so everything that's going on this year is of value. Is he going to get ruined? No. Okay. It, it's um, DeFilippo is supposed to be a damn good coach. People I know that, that know him speak way up here. Mm-hmm. About and so, and now could you have a case where you've got a lack of a better term, too many cooks in the kitchen because you've got three quarterback gurus there. You've got Flip, you got Laser, and you've got Nagy, and too many people are in his ear. Okay, that's a possibility mm-hmm. because then it's, okay, who do I listen to? Mm-hmm. Now, again, I'm throwing a dart at the wall here because none of us are sitting inside Hallis Hall singing quarterback meetings or watching practice, you know, knowing exactly what he's being told. Right. But it's a possibility. All it is is a possibility. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I I think every snap, like you said, is valuable for this young man. There were people saying, well, you should just shut him down the rest of the season. Uh, I, I just don't see that. A- at the very least, one of the things he w- is – learning is the defense the opposing teams are playing against them so he has now played two games against the green bay packers he has a better knowledge for how the packers run their defense and their personnel and that's going to be valuable next season isn't it well it's that but it's also how things are disguised and that's what Mm -hmm. i was trying to say like you you can walk up to the line of scrimmage and it looks like it's cover two Mm -hmm. but then at the snap all of a sudden it's cover three because of the way they they disguised it with a pre-snap look. And so and then you see that on tape. You know, you're watching the tape and then you're seeing how the defensive men um react to the snap of the ball and go back to what they're really doing instead of what you thought they were going to do. Yeah. And again, that's and so now that that becomes an experience thing that you see, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. And and the only way you're going to learn that is playing. Mm-hmm. So that part's that part's positive. And he's going to be a lot better off next year because of all the the time he's played this year, be it bad. Now we'll go back. What we said, if, if you're going to go with a rookie quarterback, which they made the decision to do in game three after Andy Dalton got hurt in game two, then you got to go with the growing pains. Mm-hmm. And Unfortunately, that's what it is. It limits what you can do. They did some things last night that they hadn't done all year. Now, maybe it, you know there were things they saw on, on tape that they thought they could do against Green Bay and, and had success with it. But it, you know, I, I, I think there's little things, and, and I agree with Nagy with that, there's little things that, that are getting better. There's just too many things that go wrong. Oh, boy. <laughs> sure are. What about the offensive line? Um, I personally think that they did a fairly good job, given the personnel they put out there at the tackle position, um, two rookies. And uh, Beerman is saying something that a lot of people, a lot of Bears fans are saying, that they're always going to have issues with this offense until they correct the offensive line. Okay, um, let's ask him. What do they got to correct? 
Yeah, you saw a rookie playing what you saw a rookie playing his first game mm-hmm. after no training camp. And and as we talked earlier in the show, really very little practice. Mm-hmm. And so he get gets thrown in there cold. You gotta expect he's gonna make some mistakes. Okay, but is the potential there for him to be a good player going forward? But just look at the way Borum has grown in the time he's been playing. Well, you're going to see the same thing with Tevin Jenkins. You know, they're, they're going to get better. And I think, you know, is Mustafer the guy to play center? You know, when, when you play a guy like he played against last night, that's a tough job. He just, he gets overpowered. So how much stronger can he get to negate that? Mm-hmm. But you're not always playing a guy like that, you know. So, and I, I've gone drawn a blank with the the nose tackle that uh, Green Bay uh, has. Um, Clark, Kenny Clark. Yeah, Kenny Clark, who's a big, strong, outstanding player. Yeah, he's got quickness, strength, power. He's he's got all the tools. Well, you know, you you got to be a a bull to match that bull. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you're you're going to be in trouble. So uh, that might be that. Probably, he was he was a free agent coming out. That might be the the weakest link on the line that still has to be addressed. Mm-hmm. But I think you know when you when you look at the guard situation, it's not bad. And and you know, you look at Daniels. Remember, there's a couple plays. I don't know if you caught it where Daniels like comes to the line of scrimmage and then he stands up and, and looks around and then gets down. He's the guy who's, who's calling the protections. That's yeah, why he's doing that. I was wondering that. And somebody said that he's all, he also could be uh, letting the center know when the, when the snap is coming. Uh, well, yeah, but, he, but he's doing what a center does a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and they might, be sharing the responsibilities. You know, you'd have to talk to Juan Castillo to know that exactly. But him <laughs> doing that, that that's exactly what it, he he was scoping things out and probably the guy who changes the, the protections at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Mueller is saying that Kenny Clark uh, cheap shot at Justin Fields and the Bears' O-line did nothing. Did you catch that? Uh, I think it's also something that Olin Krutz talked about on their post-game show. He seemed to be a little bit upset with the offensive line for being docile when Justin Fields got a shot from, from Clark and other Packers. Any thoughts there on that? There was one play. I, I, I know there was a play where, where Olin praised Jenkins for kind of like pulling people off the pile. Because mm-hmm. uh, I saw it on Twitter, uh, I don't recall the play mm-hmm. uh, right offhand. You've got to be aggressive if you see your your guy take a cheap shot, but you can't. We've already seen a couple of these things in the past where all of a sudden the flag goes up and it costs you fifteen yards. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think part of that is they're they're being told calm your ass down. Yep, exactly. And, and I get it. So so now it becomes a, a, a catch-22 is what I'm trying to say. Yep, I get you. 
Uh, a lot of questions in the chat room regarding Daniels, and do you think that maybe at the end of the season uh, you move Daniels over to center or maybe even get give him some looks at the center position uh, for, in place of Sam Mustafer uh, this season to see how he quickly he can I get reacclimated? I, I don't think they're going to do it in season because then it's another change to the offensive line. Mm -hmm. I think it's something you do in the offseason. He was drafted to play center. Mm -hmm. And he, that's what he played except for one year in college. He played center, and he was a damn good one. He was the best center in college football the year he came out. And mm -hmm. and you look at him, look at his build. He's got that big bucket on him. He sure does. That That's, that's what you want blocking a Kenny Clark. Personally, those are the kind, you know, I gravitate towards guys like that. I don't want, you know, Olin wasn't a big guy. Olin was 285, 287. Right. Very, very, very strong and explosive. So he was the exception to the rule. But, you know, generally speaking, because you've got to go against these Ted Washington types sometimes, these big mothers that uh, can just eat up space, you need an equally big, strong guy that can get some sort of push right. on these guys. And so where you sometimes see smaller centers in the league, I'd rather have a guy who's built like Daniels, has that big bucket. And a friend of mine who was a, a former general manager, no, it wasn't Jerry Angelo, <laughs> you know, call, used to call guys like that seat smashers. <laughs> I love it. Mule says it's getting too late now for Daniels to play center. He's 24 years old. How can it be? How can it be too late? I don't even think he's 24. Uh, let's see. It says uh, September he's a 20 year old rookie. Yeah, September 13th, 1997, age 24 years old. According okay, to okay, just turned okay, just turned 24. Yes. So uh, yeah, when he was drafted, he was like 19 or 20. So absolutely. Uh, There's it, a guy the other day I looked at for the East-West game at a school. Mm -hmm. I don't want to mention the school, their name. He's going to be a 25-year-old rookie. Yeah. And, and, he'll and, play in the league, and he'll play in the league. And, and so, what's your, what's your and, philosophy and, and, on drafting guys that old? You know, it used to be a no-no, but I think the way the rules are now, that uh, and, and especially with linemen, because mm -hmm. if you're getting an older line offensive lineman, then – He's physically probably a little bit more physically and mentally mature than a 21, 22-year-old. And so, you know, I, I think that it, it, it not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you used to do it while well, he's not going to have a long career. Well, you know what? Under the rules the way they are now, you got four years to figure the guy out. And mm -hmm. if you don't like him at the end of the four years, he's gone. Because at the end of his rookie contract, and, and, and then it's time to either re-up him or, or, or move on. Kyle Long was a 25-year-old rookie. And that one paid off. Now, injuries caught up to him. But, hey, if you get five years out of a guy, you're already past the, the average career length right. of, a, of you know, a lot of players. Yeah, would you like to get 10? Absolutely. But how many how many guys does that happen to? Mm -hmm. um, PFF is reporting that Justin Fields was pressured twenty two of his forty three dropbacks. That's that's unacceptable. Um, 
I don't know if I believe that stat. Yeah, that does seem a little high to me. I, and I, I think, you know, PFF, I think, is so full of it sometimes. Because, because, well, I mean, the people they got coming up with the uh, grading, they're not qualified. A lot of them aren't qualified to do this. Right. So what's a pressure? Exactly. And, and they define it. You know, you search through their website, they define it. But here's the thing. They've got young guys who are tabulating, even, even a, a stat like that, how many times he was pressured, how many times he was hit, and so forth. They got young guys tabulating that, and they don't have, it is clear to me that they don't have more experienced eyes checking that work before it goes to publication. Because seconds after the game is over, they've got these stats up there, so you know they didn't go back and double-check this stuff. A lot of that, and, and I've caught them. I have seen PFF put up offensive line grades within a half hour of a game. That's ridiculous. That's impossible to do You that. know how long it takes an offensive line coach to grade his players the next day? About four hours. And he and actually he's got an easy job because generally speaking, unless there's an injury, like mm -hmm. you had yesterday with uh with, with the Bears, is you got them five guys. You're not substituting guys in. It's not like you're you're grading wide receivers and you're using seven. You know, you got the same five guys playing the whole game. Mm -hmm. And it's still taken because you've got to look at each player every play and grade that play. It takes a long time. Exactly. Exactly. I've had, I've had to do it. I I, I know what's involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know when I, I when I came into scouting, you know I I worked part time for Buffalo and Buffalo was part of the the Quadra Combine, mm -hmm. which was Buffalo, Dallas, San Francisco, and Seattle, and Gil Brandt really ran the thing. So they hired and, and they didn't have videotape like they have now. We used to have to walk around with 16 millimeter Kodak projectors and watch film. <laughs> okay. So because video wasn't available or tape wasn't available like it is now, they used to hire part-timers like myself to supplement the scout stuff because they didn't get enough information all the time from the scouts. Mm -hmm. And so we grade film you know they they'd call out get film and they dub it you know they make copies of the film and then you'd watch it and this is actually how i got my education and learning how to watch tape because for two and a half years that i did this you had a grade it, it's like you know the coaches do you mm -hmm. had a grade every single play for the for each guy you were watching. So if it's an offensive lineman, you had to grade him for not quickness, agility, balance, but quickness and agility and balance, three different things, strength, explosion, power, competitiveness. And then if it was a run block, you know, what kind of run block? There was like a million different things. Well, and you had to give a one to nine grade for each thing. And you had to turn in the sheet that you had all your your number grades on. <laughs> that is a great education. Okay. So, you know, I, I know what it is when, mm. to, to grade how long it takes to grade a player. And and mm. for somebody to come up with an offensive line grade 35 minutes after a game is over, come on, it's absurd. 
It is totally absurd. Here's a here's probably the most difficult question you'll face today. Uh, it comes from R R R R David One. How does one become a scout? That's not an easy question, is it? No, I'll, and and I answer it because I've been asked the, the you know I've been asked the question a lot. How did I get involved? And and the first an, first part of the answer is because I wanted to. Okay, so. And I, I think, and I'm not patting myself on the back, you, you've got to have kind of like an analytical mind. Mm-hmm. And this goes back, and even when I was in high school, and I'd be at a high school basketball game when I wasn't playing, mm-hmm. Or when I was on the JV and I'm watching, this goes like a sophomore and I'm on the JV basketball team and stuff. And I'm watching the varsity play. And there's, you know, you're playing against a guy good. My thought press of watching this guy is, well, can he play at the next level? Mm -hmm. And it's always been that way. The same with football. And so I'm watching, I started watching college players and, you know, all you had was TV to look at, but it's like, and you couldn't tape it. There was no, I mean, this is before we even had VHS let alone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. DVDs, but you know, you'd watch it and then, and, and you just try to look at it. Well, gee, that guy might be able to be pretty good or, or whatever. So, I mean, it's just, I think it's the way my mind worked mm-hmm. when, when watching all different kinds of sports like, like the one of the key. What's what's the one of the biggest keys that you need to be successful in just about any sport? Do you know the answer? Um, in any sport, the key intelligence. No, well, physical physical trait. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I think physical strength. Knee bend. Knee bend. Why is that? It's flexibility to be able to do things. You can't. You ever seen like a? a, a do you ever ski? No, I'm not a skier. Uh, I'm afraid. Uh, okay. To. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you can ski with your knees bent, you can't ski. You're 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 you're, you're going to run into a tree or something, you know, because you're right. stiff legged. <laughs> you want to play basketball and and play defense in basketball? Unless you can bend your knees, you can't cover anybody in basketball. Yep. It's impossible. In football, it's one of the very first things you look at, is especially with offensive and defensive linemen. Are they benders? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that. so then when you think about it, it really holds true for almost every single sport. If they can't bend, they can't play. So it's, like- it's flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, uh, before uh, get you out of here, I want to address some of the questions that have popped up uh, in the chat. So this is kind of a potpourri section. Somebody wanted to know, and I can't find who it, who it was that wrote it, is that are you uh, still involved with the XFL? Well, no, nobody's involved with the XFL except the about half a dozen people in the league office. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug Whaley is back involved. Mark Ross is newly involved. Um, the one woman who was in charge of HR, she's involved. Obviously, The Rock mm-hmm. and Danny Garcia. Uh, 
see are involved and a couple other people, but they're, um, you know, I had a, a, a conversation with Whaley a month ago when they announced these names mm-hmm. and they said that they're going to be restaffing the clubs first part of the year, be it sometime between the middle of January and middle of February. And mm-hmm. that, that was the plan. Um, teams might not be in the same spots. There's some places that some places will, some places won't. Um, and then go from there. Uh, I don't really know much about the USFL. So I, I can't answer that. I have, you know, when I, when I talked to Whaley, we both agreed there's, there's unfinished business there. Mm. So, um, because we thought we had a good product and I know we had a pretty good team. Mm -hmm. So um, in fact, just to digress a little bit, we were the, when they stopped play, okay, that we were playing, we were supposed to play Dallas that Sunday. Mm -hmm. We had practiced Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Okay. We finished, we practiced from one to three on Thursday we got notified at 5.30 the games were done this weekend. And we're, and uh, the original thought was, and part of this had to do with the president, you know, shutting things down. We thought it was going to be like a three-week layoff. Right. And we were going to come back and play two more games in a championship game. Mm-hmm. That's originally. But obviously – we're in a pandemic that we're still in. So and, and it's going on two years now. Yeah. But the plan was then, and, and this is going on, because I, I talked to Whaley about five times that day. Mm-hmm. And I go, driving to practice, we're talking. He goes, well, here's what we think we're doing now, is that if you guys beat Dallas on Sunday, you will be the, you know, you will be number one in, in the XFL East. Houston's number one in the West. You're scheduled to play Houston next week anyway, so we'll make that game the championship game. Hmm. So we thought, okay, that's great. We're going to play this week. We're going to play next week, and the winner of that game is going to be the champion. And the game was going to be in Houston, and the the championship game was going to be in Houston to begin with, so that wouldn't have changed, just that they would have had, you know, total home field advantage. Um not that it made a big difference in, in, in you know, in our league, cause you didn't have, you know, 80,000 people going to a game, but that was what was going on the day we, we stopped. That, and that was a sad day for uh, football fans because that was a really enjoyable league. And this, some, uh, somebody in the chat just said it was, it was, I think it was mule said that um, it, it, sort of provided a minor league for pro football for the NFL. Do you agree with that, that it was sort of a feeder system for the National Football League? And and you had to realize that's exactly – when I first started, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at players and he can't play, he can't play, he can – you know, because you're, you're thinking NFL because that's all I've done all my life. Mm-hmm. And you can't think NFL. You've got to think minor league. And it was designed to be a developmental league. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we, we, we wanted to eventually get a working relationship with the NFL. I had heard that. Yeah. Hopefully that, you know, they would send guys that, that, you know, like practice squad guys and stuff that, that you needed more play time that mm-hmm. they'd send us some and very similar to how the NFL Europe thing worked And the NFL Europe w- was part of the NFL. The reason mm-hmm. the league got rid of it is because it was costing them a ton of money. The way we looked at it is this isn't costing you any money. Mm-hmm. We're paying for this and we can do the same thing that NFL Europe did. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that was basically what we were trying to do. Um, we had, I, I, I've said it a thousand times, we were meeting all expectations for year one. And then the plug got pulled because of the pandemic. Sad uh, when that happened. Uh, Tareen Woodfield wants to know, uh, should Allen Robinson, the third, uh, sit out to the remainder of the season? He seems to have checked out. Your thoughts? I don't know if he's still totally healthy. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so he's not going to be here next year. And I don't care who the hell the coach is and who the hell the general manager is. He's not going to be here next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're not going unless he's going to play at a dressed. I'm not going to say drastically reduced rate, but a reduced rate. You know, and I know what kind of money we've talked about it. He was looking for like a 20 million average. I don't know if he can get that. I mean, who's ever want going to sign him is is going to throw out this season. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at last year and they're going to look at the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but age does come into play. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, does he get a, a lucrative three-year deal? That's probably what you're going to see. I don't know if you're going to see a, a five-year deal mm-hmm. or something uh, along that. But I, I think when you think that, you know, he's costing the Bears, what, $18 million this mm-hmm. year? You know, you can you can go out in the free agent market and get a pretty darn good receiver to take his place and do it for a lot less money. Yep. And then you're gonna have extra money to go get another player to do something else. If you could figure out a way uh to manipulate the cap where you can bring in a wide receiver who is uh, 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 worthy of a $20 million price tag, like a Devontae Adams, who's probably going to get more than that, but uh, like a Chris Godwin, would you pursue that? I'd pursue a Godwin before I'd pursue a Devontae Mm -hmm. because of age. Yeah, he's a lot of wear and tear on Devontae too. And, And... you know, Godwin is just coming off a rookie contract, I think, or or he's got a one-year deal, at, you know, the franchise tag or something. I know, he, you know, he hadn't been in the league that long. So he's a relatively young player. Mm-hmm. And, and you got some young guys um, at, at Pittsburgh, and, and they're around the league. It, it's Your pro scouting department has got to do a good job, and I don't have the names off the top of my head. But, yeah, you can get one. I, I don't know if I'd want to pay – you say I'd rather pay the deal that you paid Robinson when you signed him. 
right originally yes sure you know do do a deal similar to that and then you know you go out and you use the money wisely on something else mm-hmm. now you're going to have the, the, the i think they're saying that didn't we read the caps going up like thirty million dollars or something next year? I, I I think that's the speculation right now. Yes. Yeah. Well, that the teams have been told that, and then it's always give or take. Mm-hmm. So you get to the final number, and there's negotiations, but it's still going to be where it's going to be. Pro, next year's cap number will probably be a little better than this year was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, because this year they went down 10 instead of going up 10. So it's, um, but it's not going to be exactly where they thought it was going to be three years ago for the 1920 or the 2022 season. Yeah. 2023, once the uh, new TV contract money comes in, that is going to mean an explosion of cap space for all teams, uh, additional uh, millions of dollars. money is going to be an explosion. Oh, forgot about that. Yes. That is going and because you're going to have these tie-ins with the, with the um, different uh, betting organizations mm-hmm. because they're, they're being sponsors and things like that. So I mean, that's a ton of freaking money that's going to be coming in. Yep. Love it. When the money comes in, <laughs> Michael Gallup is a name, a 25 year old Michael Gallup uh, is a name that has come up in the chat room. What are your thoughts on uh, the young? Like him come, I like him coming out. He's with Dallas, right? Correct. Yeah. I liked him coming out. Uh, I'd have to, you know, go back and, and watch game tape. And when you, when I say watch game tape, it's not watch a highlight tape. Mm-hmm. It's watch Cause you got when you're, I don't want to see a highlight tape. I want to see a low light tape. Mm-hmm. And I want to see the bad plays. So you, yeah. you've got to watch everything. Right, right. But uh, I interviewed him down at the Senior Bowl. And one of the things that he said that I found a bit uh, disturbing is that he he was he was asked, um, "What have you learned uh, down here at the Senior Bowl?" And he said that I can't rely on my talents. I really got to put my head into the playbook and really learn that because it's the competition here at the senior bowl is, is so much better. And it's like, well, man, shouldn't you have known that before you showed up to the senior bowl? Uh, I already already know the answer to that one, although, and and I was thinking about it. First of all, where'd he come from? The offense that he played in in college and what was he asked to do? Okay, so, and, and some of these guys, and I'll, I'll give you a, a perfect example, Kevin White. All the physical traits in the world. Mm-hmm. But you go back and you look at that West Virginia tape, he ran three routes. <laughs> That's right, go deep. <laughs> His route tree was, that was a very simple offense. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it was a three-route, basically for him, a three-route offense. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have to make sight adjustments. Mm-hmm. When you get up to the NFL, and what I mean by a sight adjustment for the people that that don't understand is that during the course of a play, depending on what the defensive back is doing or what the defense is doing, you got to adjust your route. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, if it, if it – 
if you think it's man coverage and it turned out to be zone coverage, then you might run an entirely different route than what was actually called at the line of scrimmage. And the quarterback, you know, all this is part of the playbook and it and the repetitions that you go through in practice, you know, you, you learn how to do this. But to make those side adjustments, the, the key to a wide receiver, and you've probably heard this a, a number of times, is being able to play at full speed. And when you're just learning these, how to make these side adjustments, a 4-3 guy can all of a sudden become a 4-7 guy because he's unsure of himself. And he doesn't play at full speed. And that's all part of the experience factor of, of playing in the National Football League. And, and what they've done with receivers, a lot of times when receiver, when they used to come in the league, and, and, and this has really changed since, since I stopped working for the Bears, you know, you bring in a rookie receiver and you teach them every position. So they're, they're basically three wide receivers you know, wide receiver positions. Mm-hmm. And so his head be swimming. And now what they're doing to get these guys on the field faster is teaching one position. And, and he's going to get up to speed a lot faster mm-hmm. and be able to produce a lot faster. Now, it, it, you know, if you get into an injury situation, that's why you got to have so many damn receivers on the team because of that, because you don't have, you know, th- there used to be a time when you wanted five receivers on the team. Mm-hmm. Okay. And three, four, and five could play all three positions. Mm-hmm. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, it's not. If X goes down, you got to have the backup X play. Mm-hmm. And if Z goes down, you got to have the, the backup Z guy because the Z guy can't play X and the X guy can't play Z. Mm. Don Burr, who is our resident uh, Detroit Lions fan, he likes to come to the bar room and have a beer with us and uh, and troll us. <laughs> He's asking. Yeah, where are you serving beer? <laughs> virtual beers, pretend uh, beer. Okay. I, you know, I've, been, I, I've been in your studio there. I didn't see any beer. No, I got the hard stuff behind me. <laughs> he says, uh, what do you think about uh, Matt Patricia being the head coach of the Chicago Bears? And of course, he's kidding. <laughs> he knows better. By the way, Matt Patricia is a senior advisor for the New England Patriots. What do you think he's advising them on? They're doing well. He's not running the defense, but he's part of the defense. He's doing what he's best at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Belichick's kid and Belichick run the defense now. <laughs> the offense. I'm sorry. You, you, were you saying Josh McDaniel and, no, and Josh McDaniels runs the offense and Belichick, but right. Belichick's kid. Oh, he, that's right. It is he, he runs. He runs the defense ah, with Belichick. Uh, All Belichick stuff. Okay. Uh, as I scour through the uh, chat room comments, one other uh, topic that I wanted to bring up is, is this Allen Robinson issue. I don't believe that he's checked out. I believe that he's playing with an injury. I believe that he wants these last few games to prove to other general managers that he is worth closer to that $20 million than the 15 or $10 million he might be get offered during the offseason. He had an interview over at WSCR with Mark Grody, and he said, it's this has been an unfortunate season for me when asked about, you know, uh, how is, this is going to impact 
him in the in the wallet. So I I I I just don't believe that Allen Robinson is just you know uh, mailing it in because it if he if coaches and general managers sense that he's doing that he's not going to be offered the kind of money he thinks he deserves. Um, again, I, I'm going to say I I don't believe I agree with you, but I think when it comes to what his payday is going to be next year, it's not going to really be based on this year. It's going to be based on 2020 and 2019. Yeah. You know, they're going to throw this year out. Right. Uh, Between injuries, playing with a rookie quarterback and everything else that's been going on in Chicago that uh, uh, they're just going to say, but age is going to factor in. Mm-hmm. You know, and how much how much gas is left in the tank? Right. Well, I'm running out of gas, and so that probably means we should pull the plug. Uh, oh. Addition of Greg. Where, where's, where's the nearest gas station? <laughs> Wait a minute, I know it's on Lake Lake Cook Road. Right. Right. Uh, on the north side of Lake Cook probably about a mile from your house. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's a marathon uh, gas no, station. No, I'm not talking about the gas station. I'm talking about another place. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Brand new building? Yes, the Hatch. Yeah. I couldn't think of the name of it. I was there the other day, as a matter of fact. Oh, were you really? Yeah, I was. I got to stay away from that. It's like a candy store for... Uh, you know, I, I had not smoked uh, marijuana since uh, my teenage, early 20s and not smoked since then. And so when it became legal, I said, I'll stop over at this place that just opened down the block from me about a mile, like you said. And oh, my goodness, it just brought back so many memories. <laughs> well, I, you know, I didn't even know it was there until I was going to your place. And I saw it. I go, what the hell is this? And then yeah. I, and I just checked it out just to didn't go in. I mean, I checked it out just to see what it was. I mean, that's a brand new building, isn't it? It's brand new. The service inside is fantastic. You can sit and talk to, you know, they got like a 20 people working in there and they're all anxious to answer your questions and yeah, stuff. So somebody somebody then has, has put a lot of money into that. Yes, indeed. A lot of money. And, you know, it's, that, building, that building wasn't cheap. Just no. No, and with the, uh, the amount of people working there and the inside is really beautifully decorated. And it's never busy, Greg. So I wonder how they're making money. But I read a report recently that, you know, they uh, the marijuana industry in the state of Illinois sold over seven hundred and fifty million dollars worth of with the product, and that's resulted in like thirty five million dollars in more taxes for school system and stuff. But we all know. <laughs> that somehow the school system is not going to see any of that money. Somebody's going to smoke it away. Probably. <laughs> uh, who, who knows? I, I, uh, what, what they're supposed to do with the, the money, the, the state gets out of this and what really happens, who the hell knows, especially yep. in this state. Yep. I'm, I'm uh, as frustrated as you are about stuff like that. All right, Greg. So uh, next week they play Monday night football. So you want to do this again next uh, Tuesday uh, morning, maybe? Uh, Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon, probably Tuesday afternoon. Very good. And uh, if there's any late breaking news out of Hallis Hall, I'll give you a call to see if we can get a comment, but I doubt anything is going to happen now for at least another week or two. 
But I am hoping and praying that George McCaskey does talk uh, to the fans via through the media and tell us something that's going to give us some hope because these are. I, I would say that's not going to happen. I would say that there's going to be unless they do something in that final two weeks mm -hmm. so that they can interview people. I I don't think they'll be anything from ownership until we'll see that's just not the way you know they've done things in the past yeah i just feel like they need to change how they've done in the past because clearly uh it, things have not worked in the past uh, and as i'll put this graphic up again this was in the uh, chicago tribune brad bix's column these are the fewest no, wins no. mccaskey's been so nothing has worked in the past for mr mccaskey it is time to change things up <laughs> All right, my friend, uh, we will see you next uh, week on Tuesday, and we'll be in touch throughout the week. Uh, really appreciate it, and uh, happy holidays to everybody. We've got more uh, football stuff on the Barroom Network. Just follow us here on YouTube, and you'll get alerts every time we go live with a new show. Take care, everybody. See you later. Thanks. All righty. Where's my video? There it is.